All right, let's go ahead and get started. Page 103. You can remain seated. More about Jesus I would know. More of His grace to others show. Watch my hands, guys. <laughs> I hear the Savior say, My strength indeed is small. Out of weakness, watch and pray. I did me.
181.
little fellowship. Got any offering, go ahead and bring it on up. say amen. 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 Uh, let me make a few announcements tonight. We'll get on with our service. Don't forget that on February the 11th is our Valentine banquet here at the church at six o'clock. So be planning and praying for that meeting. Also on this coming Sunday at three o'clock in the afternoon, the young ladies will be congregating at Megan's house and, and going to be having a meeting there. Uh, and don't forget, on April the 16th through the 19th, we've got revival schedule with Brother Bud Stiltner. We had a revival schedule last year, but had to cancel it because of the COVID thing and, and all like that. But anyway, remember this when I'm announcing it well ahead of time so you won't book on top of it with some other plans or anything like that. So that's April the 16th through the 19th. So oh. 
Appreciate that good singing tonight. <clears throat> Let's take our Bibles and turn to 1 Timothy chapter 6. And while we're turning there, if anyone needs to stand and say anything, you're at liberty to do so if you need, feel compelled to do so. Anybody got a testimony? First Timothy chapter six tonight. First Timothy chapter six. If you'll uh, stand when you find that passage of scripture. <clears throat> First Timothy chapter number six. It begins at verse number six, writing like this to Timothy. Paul does. He says, "But godliness with contentment is great gain." For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us be therewith content. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows." But thou, O man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. And here's our text for the night. Fight the good fight of faith. Fight the good fight of faith. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. I'm going to ask Brother Clay Haynes if he will to pray for us tonight. Amen. You can be seated. We appreciate you standing tonight. Last Sunday night, I began a thought, and, and we began developing it on, on uh, fighting the good fight or the battles of our life. And we talked, we looked at some things and, and we talked about the whole armor of God and the different devices that Satan uses against all of us in this battle. But tonight I want to I wanna hone in, I want us to center and focus in on this thought where Paul is writing to Timothy and he told him, he said, Timothy, look, you need to learn how to fight the good fight of faith. And if you've been saved very long, you understand this truth about life is that we are in a battle. And we've established last Sunday night how that God down through the ages has always looked for someone, whether it be an individual, whether it be a group of people, to stand with Him. And He told us in our passage last Sunday night, having done all to stand and stand therefore. 
And we talked about the strength that we need to stand for the Lord Jesus Christ. And it is true, we all need that strength at times in our lives. We need that supernatural enabling of God to be able to stand, especially, especially in these last days of which we are living now. It's, uh, it seems like the battles are heating up and intensifying, and we need to learn how to just, just stand in the Lord Jesus Christ. But tonight I want us to look at this thought out of 1 Timothy chapter 6 where Paul is writing again to Timothy and, and he's writing, he says, Timothy, listen, he said, you need to learn to fight the good fight of faith. And that's what I want us to highlight tonight and consider tonight. You know, there's a lot of fights that go on in our world, but not all of them are good. Not all, all of them are the good fights of faith. And we need discernment to understand what is that good fight of faith. How do we fight it? How do, how do we make sure that we're properly uh, fighting in that good fight of faith? Paul realized that his life was comprised of a, of a battle. And he said at the end of his life, he said, I finished my course. I fought a good fight. And I want to be sure to fight the good fight of faith. I don't want to fight just anything that comes along. I want to fight and fight it well. I want to fight it in the, in the power of God and in the things that God has enabled and entrusted to us. And Paul was one of those that he was always reminding Timothy that he was in a battle. He wrote to Timothy again in another portion of Scripture. He said, Timothy, he said, be a good soldier. And he was always reminding Timothy of that everyday battle that every one of us face in this life. Before I was saved, I didn't know there was a battle raging. I didn't know I was on the losing side either. The devil didn't let me know anything like that. But ever since I've been saved, I've been aware of this concept of the Christian life is that it is a battle. And we looked last Sunday night at the fact that the reason it is a battle is because Lucifer, Satan himself, has waged a war against God. And when we get saved, we enter into this battle with the Lord. And that's why he's asked all of us just to simply stand, and having done all, to stand. I want us to look tonight at this thought on, on fighting the good fight of faith. I've often said this, and and it's been kind of a motto of my life down through the years. A dog can whip a skunk, but it just ain't worth it. And you know, there's a lot of fights in life that we can find ourselves, find that saying true to our own selves. I'm sure that every one of us have got tangled up in maybe some squabble or some issue. And it just, it wound up just not being worth the effort. It wound up not being worth the, the things that we went through to entangle ourselves in that fight. And so we, we, we find out that when we are saved that there's just some fights that they are worth fighting. There is a cause. There is a, a good reason for us to suit ourselves up and, and fight that good fight of faith. And sometimes, sometimes it involves people. Sometimes it doesn't, but sometimes it involves things. Sometimes it involves areas of our life. And we need to have the discernment in our hearts and in our minds to know how to fight that good fight. There's a right way to battle and there is a wrong way to battle. And I want us to look at that tonight from the aspect of some things that, 
that we may do wrong in this battle. I want to say, number one, that we may have the wrong armor. You may remember from, from Ephesians chapter 6, he told us to put on the whole armor of God when we go into battle. And he listed those pieces of, of armor. as It had to do with truth and righteousness and the gospel of peace and faith and salvation, the word of God, and then prayer. And he lists all of those things in a, as a matter of putting on the whole armor of God, not just a piece of it here and there, but for us to be suited in that whole armor of God. And then he went on to say this. He said, he said for we wrestle not against flesh and blood. And there's a lot of times that I've found my own self going to war, going to battle in the flesh. I mean, we all have, we've all fought those kind of battles and, and they're hard and they're hurtful and they're harmful. And there's things that happen in the, those kind of uh, battles. But he said that we're to suit ourselves with the whole armor of God. Sometimes we get caught up in it. We want to fight our battles in our own strength, our own wisdom, our own ways. Uh, last Saturday, we went out to the... Uh, to the wedding of C.W. and Holly. And Brother Ben Tanner was over to one side. And I, I was talking to him. And I said, Brother Ben, what are you preaching on now? He said, well, Brother John, I've been in the Gospel of Luke. And he said, but I'm taking a, a break from that. And I've gone into the book of James. And I'm going to uh, teach through the book of James to our people. He said, I'm going to be in chapter 1. He said, on, on wisdom, how to have godly wisdom. And he was talking about that verse of scripture. He said, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God. So we talked about it preacher to preacher there for a little bit. And I said, well, Brother Ben, you do know how, uh, how to get true wisdom, God's wisdom, don't you? He said, yeah, the Bible says to ask for it. I said, well, that's not the first step. The very first step is to realize we don't have it. If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God. And I said, you know, a lot of times we... We think that we've got this thing under control. We think we've got this uh, handled and we can handle it. But the truth of the matter is we can't handle any of our battles without the Lord Jesus Christ. We need his wisdom. We need his strength. And we need to do it in his ways. David went down to battle to, to, or down to see the battle in the days of Goliath. You may remember that story. And when David went down to see that battle... He had heard what the Philistine had said where the Philistine came out and challenged the people of God. He said, just send me a man over here to battle with me. And, it, and the way that the, the armies used to do it back then, that the two men would go to battle and whichever one, the losing side would have to submit them wholesale, their whole army to the other army. And so that's why David uh, Goliath challenged the people of God the way he did. He said, just give me one man to stand against me. And David heard those words and he made up his mind that there was a, there was a cause there. There was a need for him to stand up and fight. Nobody else would take the challenge on. And David thought back in his mind. He said, well, I've, God's been with me down through the years and I've seen God do this. I've seen God do that. And now this uncircumcised Philistine is challenging the armies of the living God. Yes, there is a reason to go to battle. 
And you know the story of how uh, little David, a little shepherd boy, went up to King Saul and he said, Saul, I'll go to battle. And, and Saul challenged him. He said, listen, you're just a little tiny boy is basically what he was saying. He said, but this man, this Goliath has been a, a, a soldier of war ever since his youth. He's used to fighting. David, you're not used to fighting. And then David reminded him of a lion and a bear that God enabled him to conquer one day. He said, as God did it to that lion and to that bear, God will do it to this Philistine today. And, and so King Saul told him, he said, well, go on. But first he said, let me put my armor on you. And so King Saul put his armor on David. And David tried him out. He tried the coat of mail and he tried the sword and he, he looked at it and he said, nah, I can't go with these because I've not proved them. I'll go, I'll stay with what I've proved with. He said, I'll stay, I'll just stay with what God has given me. And he went against that giant in the power of God and God brought the victory to, King, to little David that day. Why? Because he stayed with the armor that God had given him. We need to learn to stay with the armor that God has given us. He's given us the word of God. We need to stay with it. He's given us prayer. He's given us his power. He's given us everything we need in life to fight the good fight of faith. But sometimes we try going in our own strength, our own wisdom, our own ways, our own armor, our self-appointed our self armor. And that's when we'll cease to fight the good fight. The Bible says that we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. We need to learn that when we go into battle, we need to expect to win that battle when we're suited properly. And if we're going in the strength and the power and wisdom of God, there's no reason that we ought to be timid and, and sit back and think, well, I'm going to lose this. No, God has called us more than conquerors through him that loved us. You ever watch anybody go hunting or fishing? They always suit themselves up with the proper attire. You go to deer hunts, you're going to put on the proper attire. You're going to suit yourself up with that, that right armor that you need on you. And somebody going fishing, they're going to, they're going to suit themselves up in the proper attire to go fishing. Used to, when I was, still lived down south, we did a lot of quail hunting. And going after the quail, the old hawks had those quails driven so deep in the woods that we'd have to suit up with what they called briar britches. If you didn't have those briar britches on, you'd get tangled up in those briars and you wouldn't be able to hunt those quail as far back as they were driven. And you'd put those uh, briar britches on, but there was one part of that, one, one part of that, that suit up that you had, that every hunter had, and it was a quail bag. It was a bird bag strapped to your back. Why? Because you expected to get some quail when you went out. You expect a fisherman always, a real fisherman. Now, I'm not talking about some of these Sunday-itis uh, fishermen. I'm talking about a real fisherman will carry him a stringer with him. Can I get a witness right there, brother? You're going to carry a stringer. Why? Because you expect to catch some fish. You may not, but you go out there expecting. We need to learn to expect to win the battle because God has given us everything we need to win this battle. Can I get a witness right there? I'll never forget one time. 
I was still pastoring in Waycross, and, and Brother Jay Glass was in preaching. And Brother Jay got up and he was preaching out of Ephesians chapter 6 on the whole armor of God. And, and if any of you ever knew Brother Jay, he was a, he was a prince. He was just a, a kind, gentle soldier for Christ. And he would stand up there with those old glasses and it looked like he was looking through Coke bottles. They were thick and his eyes looked about that big whenever he looked through those glasses. You know how they'll do. And he looked out there at us and he said this. He said, if any of y'all get hurt in this thing, it's your own fault. He said, because God's given you all the armor you need to stay protected. I thought, wow, that's a pretty bold statement, especially considering how many times I've gotten hurt. <laughs> But he's right. I mean, God has put, given us everything we need to fight the good fight of faith. And we need to understand that that's exactly what God had placed it there for, for us to be protected while we're in this battle. But don't go in your own strength. Don't go in your own wisdom. Don't go in your own ways. You do it God's way by God's provisions, and God will give you victory every time. Another thing that we could do wrong, not just the wrong armor, but we could have the wrong aim. He said, wrestle not against flesh and blood. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We wrestle against principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness of this world. And sometimes we get our aims focused on people so much that we think the battle's on them. We think they're the enemy. We see it all the time between husband and wives. A husband and wife get at odds with one another and they get to battling one another. And that's as far as they can see with, they can't see past the individual. They just focus on the individual. And that's where they'll lose the battle every time because they're just focused on that person. And they consider that person to be the real enemy. And they get to battling and fighting one another. And every time it'll wind up in a battle lost. A battle lost. I want you to take your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 16. I'm going to show you something that the Lord showed me one day out of this scripture. It's a very interesting chapter in the life of Simon Peter. Simon Peter, you know, was that bold, out in front, kind of a uh, just... You'd ask him a question, and it didn't matter whether it was right or wrong. Peter had an answer. That, I love Peter. You know what I found out? And I was I was studying this past week, and I said, Lord, I see a little bit of Moses in me. I see a little bit of Elijah in me. I see a little bit of uh, Peter in me. I see a little bit of James in me. And that more I study people in the Bible, the more I realize that it's a reflection of my life, and I can find myself in these different characters of the Bible. But Peter was one of those just out there, out front, just bold and ready to... Uh, just tackle anything. And notice women in Matthew chapter 16. It was an interesting day in the life of Peter. And it says when uh, verse number 13. When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi. He asked his disciples. Who do men say that I the son of man am? And then they said this and this this. And then he says this verse 15. But he saith unto them. But whom say ye that I am? Watch Simon Peter. This bold disciple of the Lord. And he said. And, and Simon Peter answered. Thou the Christ the son of the living God. Man what an answer. And I mean just bold and right. And spot on. 
But notice what Jesus said to him. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed are thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And they talk a few, a few verses. And in verse number 21, same day, same setting, look at this. From that time forth began Jesus showing to his disciples how that he must go into Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. Then Peter took him, took Jesus now, and began to rebuke him. That's how bold Peter was, began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. But he turned and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Peter. Is that what he said? Get thee behind me, Satan. For thou, Satan, are an offense. Who's he talking to? Peter. But he's looking beyond Peter. He's looking beyond the flesh and blood aspect of this battle. And he's seeing the real enemy who is standing there whispering in Simon Peter's ear and, and confusing Simon Peter. And he addresses Satan directly. And he says, get thee behind me, Satan. We need to understand who the real enemy is. Did you know uh, our, our armed forces, I, I love the people who have fought for this country down through the years, Brother Ray, Brother Leo, others in here, Sister Kathy, those in, the, in this church who have fought for the freedoms that we enjoy in this country. We just don't realize, Brother Charles, the sacrifice that they've made, Brother Marty, down through the years that we might have the freedoms that we enjoy in this country tonight. And I love the people of our armed forces. And, uh, and there's, uh, there's a lot of times that in the armed forces, they'll, they'll complain because they, the, the government, the politicians will not define who the real enemy is. In the days of desert storm and all like that, they just went charging in and they, they began complaining because they did not know who they were fighting. They did not know who the real enemy was. And when you don't know it, when you don't have the enemy defined in front of you, you'll get to striking out at anybody and everybody around you. You'll strike at this one. You'll strike at that one. You'll fight this one. You'll fight that one. Why? Because you don't know who the real enemy is. Can I remind you tonight that the real enemy is Satan himself. It's not me. It's not you. It's not the one sitting next to you. It is Satan trying to confuse and trying to divide all of us. The real aim in this life is in the battle is Satan himself. That's who we are fighting tonight. I read an a, a interesting article one time. It was about the Ottoman Empire. And in 1917, the Ottoman Empire seemed like it was impregnable. And they had controlled the city of Aquaba, which is a seaport city. They controlled the seaport, the seaport city of Aquaba all on the backside and on every angle on the backside of Aquaba. It was nothing but desert, impassable desert. And they had all of their guns aimed out in the harbor. They had massive cannons aimed out there in the harbor because they, they believed the only way they could be attacked was from the sea. 
And so Lawrence of Arabia, he really was a real person, he mounted up a bunch of Arab uh, soldiers, and they went in from the desert. They braved the desert sands and the heat, and they crossed the desert on the backside and came up on the backside of Aquaba, and they conquered that city in a surprise attack. But all the guns of Aquaba, Aquaba were faced the wrong way. They couldn't turn the guns. They were fixed in position. They couldn't turn them to the rear. They didn't know where, where this fight was coming from. And they got destroyed. And now, because of all of that happening, we now have the state of Israel over there today. Why? Because a city had their guns aimed at the wrong direction. Sometimes we can have our guns aimed in the wrong direction. We can have it aimed at that one, aimed at that one, aimed at that one. But that's not the real enemy. The real enemy is Satan. He's the one who is trying to defeat all of us tonight. And we need to keep that focus in our lives. Every time that I've ever, Deb and I've ever been involved in any kind of marital issues, we bring the, end of the man in there, the woman in there. And there they sit. They've, they've gotten at odds with one another about something. And we bring them in there, and, and this one's got their story, that one's got their story. But I try, all I try to do in counseling is try to help them to see who is standing in the middle between the two. It's the enemy, the real enemy, that unseen enemy. If we could just keep our eyes fixed on who the real enemy is and keep our aim focused at him, we'll win this good fight of faith. The wrong armor, the wrong aim. But I want to say finally tonight, not only can we have these things wrong, the wrong attitude about the battle, the wrong attitude. Back in looking at Ephesians, look back in Ephesians chapter 6. I want to show you something. Ephesians chapter 6. I believe sitting in this building tonight are the soldiers of the Lord's army. I believe every one of us have been called to be good soldiers and fight the good fight of faith. And I know that every one of you face your own challenges every day, whether it be at work or in your families or in your homes or in your, in your finance, whatever it is, you face your own battles every day of your life. And I'm trying, to, I'm trying to just remind all of us how we need to group together and fight that good fight of faith together. In Ephesians chapter number 6, our text from last Sunday night, notice beginning verse number 10 where he tells us to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. He comes on verse number 11, put on that whole armor. Then he begins listing those, those pieces of armor beginning in verse number 14. Truth, righteousness, the gospel. Uh, verse number 16, the shield of faith to quench all those fiery darts of the wicked. And by the way, there's many fiery darts of the wicked. And verse number 17, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. But verse number 18 caps it all off when he says, praying always with all prayer, and supplication in the spirit. Watching thereunto with all 
perseverance and supplication for all saints. Here's, here's the, the concept that he's trying to draw to us. If we don't remember in our battles to pray, if we don't have the right attitude about our battles, we will definitely lose that good fight of faith. If, we're not, if we don't stay in contact, constant contact with headquarters, we'll get out of sorts in this battle. You know, it's one thing, it's one thing down through the years, not in the last several years, but Deb and I have had squabbles. We've had fights. Like I say, not in the last several years. We, we, do, we just don't fight. But down through the years, we have had those little differences, those fights. And sometimes I get focused on her and I'm, I'm out to show her. I'm going to show her I'm right. <laughs> I know none of y'all have ever done that. And she's likewise determined she's going to show me she's right. And so, we, you know, we get in those little squabbles like that. But you can get focused on somebody and so focused on fighting them. If you're not praying for them, you're going to lose that battle. You get to fighting someone, whoever it might be. That's, that's one thing. But if you don't take back and pray for that individual, you're going to lose your battle in the fight. He says, praying always with all prayer, all perseverance, all saints. Everybody. Pray for them all. Pray for the individual that's done you wrong. Pray for the individual that you're, you think you're fighting against. Pray, draw back, draw back for a little while and say, God, I don't know if this is the right battle for me to be fighting or not. Lord, should I, should I pursue? Should I keep on with this? Or shall I just, or should I forbear? And let God direct your heart in the battle. Let God be the one to direct you and to, and to change the course, to change the way that you go to battle in this situation. So many times we just get focused on the individual and we're going we're to show them we're right no matter what happens, no matter what may come. And we forget to take time out, step back and pray. Pray. Just the wrong attitude. Whenever we quit praying, when we lose communication with headquarters, we will lose our focus on the real battle. When we lose communication with headquarters, we will lose our instructions. We won't have the right instructions of how to go to battle. And when we lose our contact with headquarters, we'll lose our camaraderie. You know what a strength in the saint of God more than anything? Knowing that God is with you. God's with me in this thing. If you know that, you can, you can charge. That's what little David knew. He knew God was with him. And he could charge the gates of hell with that thought that God is with me. And when you, when you spend time in prayer during those battles... That's when God will outfit you with the proper attitude to fight the good fight of faith. King David, 
King David developed a, he started out right. We know, we know the story of David. David started out right as a little youth and he had a heart after God. I mean, he had a heart that just followed hard after God. And he won battle after battle, but there was one battle that he, he lost in his life, and it was his battle with Bathsheba. Some of y'all may remember that battle, how that... It was a time when kings, the Bible says in 2 Samuel 11, says it's time when kings go out to battle. But old King David stayed back at home. And he got to this point where he, I guess David just felt like he was in, entitled a good day off. He was entitled not to have to fight in this battle. And so King David stayed home and he went out one evening and he was out there on his roof over in the eastern countries. Their roofs are flat. They're not pitched like ours are. They're flat. And they deal with the water drainage and all, even in that kind of aspect. But David was out there on his rooftop and he looked across the way and there was a woman over there on her rooftop. And she was bathing, and her name was Bathsheba. Bathsheba was taking a bath. And the Bible says she was very beautiful to look upon. And old David cast his eyes over there, and he kept looking. Next thing you know, old David said, who is that? Who is that? And he inquired after her, and they told her, well, that's, that's uh, can't even remember his name now. Uriah's wife. And old David sent for Uriah was out there on the battlefield fighting, fighting, fighting hard. And David sent for, and you know the story how that David and Bathsheba got together. She got in a motherly way, and, and then that led to other things that David had to do trying to cover his sin. But here was the thought that David lost that fight because he had the wrong attitude about the battle. I'm exempt from this. I don't have to fight. I know it's a time when I'm supposed to be fighting. It's time when kings go out to battle, but I'm just, I'm going to sit back and enjoy life for a while. And he quit fighting the good fight of faith. And David got his life messed up in a life of sin, deep sin, murder, all of that, that horrible stuff that he got into. David entrapped his own self because he simply would not fight the good fight of faith. Brethren, all I'm trying to say tonight is that we need the proper attire, we need the proper focus, the proper aim, and we need the proper attitude in this thing about the battle. It is a battle. It's a battle for you to go through your everyday life, five, six days a week, then come in here on Sunday and us gather together, as the people of God and, and, and enjoy each other's fellowship and enjoy each other's uh, spirits and, and then regroup and, and refuel ourselves and then go back out into our own worlds. You've got your battles. I've got my battles. But we've got to fight this thing together the right way and win the battles for the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's been said that we've got three enemies. Sis, you come on to the piano. It's been said that we've got three enemies, and we basically do. There's a lot of enemies, but basically boiled down to three. It's the world, 
And the Bible says that this is what overcomes the world. The world tries to get us conformed to them, tries to get us to thinking the way they think. And the Bible tells us not to be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And the Bible says that the, the way that we overcome the world is by faith. This is what overcomes the world, even our faith. And here's, here's, here's the way that it works. The world says it's supposed to be this way. The Bible says it's supposed to be that way. Which one are you going to listen to? The world or the Bible? I'm going to stay with God. I'll stay with the book by faith. I'll stay with what this book says. And so we can overcome the world. Another enemy we have, and we all understand this, is our own selves, our flesh. We're our worst enemies at times. Can I get a witness right there? We all, we all do stupid stuff, things that we shouldn't do in the flesh. And we, we, you've heard it said that we've got to fight this flesh. Can I, can I tell you a little secret in this thing? The day you begin fighting your flesh, you've already lost the battle. You know why? Because your flesh is supposed to be dead. Dead. When you fight in a corpse, you've already lost the battle. This thing is supposed to be dead. Whenever you begin fighting your flesh, you're reckoning it alive. But it's best just to reckon yourselves dead indeed unto sin, as the Bible says. It says, God, I, I'm, I don't want to do this. Little old Joseph was tempted to sin in the flesh. You know what he said? How can I do this great wickedness against my God? I'm not going to do it. And then there's the final enemy, the world, the flesh, and we all know this last one, the devil. And not one of us in this room, not one of us is big enough for him. But we have one who is. And greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. The devil is our enemy. It's not you, Brother Charles. It's not you, Brother Al. The enemy, I know who the real enemy is. Satan. And he's do, he'll do anything and everything he can to fight against you. And make you think it's somebody else. Make you think it's some other thing. And the whole while he's standing in the shadows. He's such a coward he don't even come out. as who he really is. He'll do his doings through other people other things, other situations and make you think he is nowhere around and the whole time he's right there stirring the pot just as hard as he can stir it. I'm glad I know who the enemy is. Years ago I was reading a book and it's about our men in World War II. They were on Mount Suribachi and they were going to take they were going to take is that Iwo Jima? Iwo Jima at Mount Suribachi. They landed at Iwo Jima. And when they landed, our men started storming the, the island. And it said that our men just out of nowhere said they would they would be they would be charging through the, the island jungles. It said that they would try their best to find the enemy and so that they could, they said out of nowhere, 
one of our men would just fall dead, shot. And they didn't see anybody. They did not see anybody. They didn't know it, but the Japanese had underground, dug underground trenches and, and, and tunnels all through underground uh, Iwo Jima. They had hospitals set up in underground where they would treat their own. And it said that they had little trap doors and said one of the Japs would pop up out of that trap door, shoot one of our men, go back down, and they never saw anybody. And I'll never forget what they wrote in that book I was reading. It said it was as though we were fighting an unseen enemy. I thought, wow, that's exactly what we're doing this thing called Christianity, we're fighting an unseen enemy. It's not really what you think is causing your problems. It's somebody else behind the scenes. It's causing all the problems that goes on in our lives. His name is Satan. And then God says, well, with that one, just stand and watch me work. Just stand Stand and let me show you my salvation. I'll show you what I'll do. We get to heaven that day. <laughs> we're going to shout and praise God and tell, tell of all the wonderful things God did for us while we were here on earth. And most of us are going to be covering the battles that he won for us. Amen and amen.